to <clears throat> welcome to volumes of fear. Fear. <clears throat> welcome to volumes of fear. Hey, Winston, are you recording yet? I'm just doing some rehearsing. We're gonna get started in a minute. Oh well, just a heads up. It looks like someone threw your lunch in the supply closet. What? Not again. Someone ate most of it, and they also removed the closet shelves. Uh, ow! Hey, who closed the door? Greetings, listeners, and welcome to Volumes of Fear. My name is Dewey Edwards, and I'm the official announcer and spokesman for Volumes of Fear. Now, I hope you're ready to be scared stupid. Let's get the show started. Prepare yourself for a tale of terror and suspense. Presented by Crimson Knight Productions. This is Volumes of Fear. Welcome to Volumes of Fear, my loyal lunatics. I'm Piedmont Montgomery, and I look forward to serving you a salad of the macabre that will have a dressing of terror and will be covered in suspense croutons. We are here in the studios of Eastridge Public Radio, a location that is truly flawless for bringing you that plate of fibrous horror greens. And joining me in the studio for this edition of Volumes of Fear, and supposedly sitting across from me, is our show's guest, James Opeck. Welcome to Volumes of Fear, Mr. Opec. Thank you, Piedmont, but please, call me Jim. Can do, Jim. Now, I must elaborate a bit, because I just said that you were supposedly sitting across from me, when in reality, you may not be across from me at all. In fact, you could be right next to me, or you could be standing in the corner of this studio, or you could even be crouched under this table, like a hungry goblin hoping that someone will throw you a severed finger to munch on, no matter where you are. I would have no idea. Isn't that correct? It is, but I am in fact sitting across from you. Now, perhaps we should explain why I am uncertain of your exact location at this given moment. Well, the short answer, and the easiest, is that I am invisible. And by invisible, he truly means invisible. I cannot seem at all. He is of complete transparency. I am indeed. And now you're going to tell us how you came to be... Without visibility? I suppose I should probably warn your audience first. I know that many of the stories you tell here on Volumes of Fear end on a positive note. Not all, but many. And while my story doesn't necessarily end on a positive note because, you know, I'm still invisible, there is a certain sense of hope. I, and I'm sure my listeners, appreciate your candor. Please proceed. All of this, the invisibility stuff, started not long after I went to work for McCutcheon Industries. I'd been in between jobs for a while, and my liberal arts degree wasn't paying off like I thought it would. I had to take what I could get. So, I applied for a custodial job with McCutcheon Industries, and after a few interviews, I got hired. 
McCutcheon Industries was a company in East Ridge that worked on developing all sorts of technology. To be honest, a lot of the stuff these guys were working on went way over my head. But what did I care? I was a custodian. I was there to sweep and mop, take out the garbage, cut the grass. Easy stuff. What the scientists were working on wasn't much concern to me. The custodian job wasn't hard, and all the scientists working there were decent people. My hours were pretty simple. Monday through Friday, 9 to 5 simple. But one day, my supervisor called me into his office. Hey, kid. How's things? Fine, Mr. Fertinelli. Good to hear. Hey, I had a question for you. Would you mind working a little late tonight? One of these eggheads is getting a big shipment in, and he needs someone to carry it all to his workshop. No problem. I can do that. Good boy. Now, one thing. It's Dr. Whalen who needs the help. He's a bit of a character. See, he's a real nut. My boss explained to me that Dr. Whalen was on staff with McCutcheon Industries. He said I'd never met him before because Dr. Whalen was notorious for keeping very strange hours and wanting to be left alone. In fact, I'd never swept or emptied the garbage in his laboratory. But I was a team player and staying an hour or two late wasn't going to kill me. Dr. Whalen's shipment was dropped off at the loading dock just a little after closing time. By this point, everyone had gone home for the day, so it was just me and Dr. Whalen and a security guard. I went and got a dolly and headed for the loading dock. It was weird, because when I got there, I saw there was just one box, and it was kind of small. I was expecting a bunch of heavy boxes. I didn't even need the dolly. I just grabbed the little box and took it to Dr. Whalen's workshop. When I got there, the door was closed, so I knocked. Little did I know that in a matter of minutes, my life would never be the same. Just a moment. Who are you? What are you doing here? I've got your shipment here. Ah, yes, of course you do. Excellent. Do you want me to bring it in? <laughs> of course, of course. Please, enter. Dr. Whalen was short and sort of stout. His black hair was a mess, and he looked rather unkempt. He wore thick glasses that had a bunch of scotch tape on them, and his lab coat was filthy. He was eccentric and skittish, and pretty much as soon as he let me in, I wanted out of his laboratory. Set it over there, by my computer. All right, uh, no problem. Excellent. Thank you. What's your name? Jim, sir. Of course. Uh, Jim, do you think you could actually help me with one more thing? Sure. You see that platform over there? The one with the laser-looking thing above it? Yes, indeed. The one with the laser-looking thing above it. Could you go and see if it needs to be swept? Yeah, let me get the broom real quick. Actually, that isn't necessary. No, not at all. I I just want you to assess whether or not it could use the sweeping. Uh, okay. Good lad, good. Dr. Whalen directed me to this weird platform thing. It was about a foot or so off the ground and wide enough for me to stand on. Hanging from the ceiling just over the platform was what looked like some sort of fancy laser aimed down at the platform. I stepped onto the platform and looked around to see if it needed to be swept. How does it look? Looks clean. I'm not seeing any sort of mess or anything. Give it a closer look, won't you? I didn't think much of his request other than maybe he was a germaphobe or something. I took another look and still didn't see anything anywhere. This weird laser platform thing that I was standing on was probably the cleanest thing in the entire building. But then, I heard a button click followed by some beeps. And then I heard the laser turn on. Before I could say or do anything, 
The laser lit up, and then I saw a bright flash of white light. Then the laser began functioning, while I was directly under it. Uh, hey, what's going on? It looks as though the laser has become operational. I wouldn't move, my dear boy. I, I wouldn't move, not unless you wish to become a blob of scrambled cells. The beam from the laser hit me. It was an odd sensation, almost like getting a charley horse, but all over. The process, or whatever was happening, only lasted a matter of seconds, and then the laser stopped operating. Oh, janitor boy? Janitor boy? What just happened? You're still here? Of course I'm here. What are you talking about? I can't see you. I can't see you at all. I didn't understand what Dr. Whalen meant. He said he couldn't see me, but then I looked at my hands, or what I thought were my hands, and there was a problem. My hands were gone. And so were my arms, and legs, and feet, and my entire body for that matter. I was there, but I couldn't see myself. Then it hit me. I was invisible. My dear boy, do you know what has happened? Dr. Whalen, what is going on? This machine that you are standing in, it can make a man invisible. And it worked. What do you mean? Allow me to explain. I admit, I was a tad deceptive in needing your assistance with the shipment that came in. It was actually nothing more than a calendar of the cutest cats alive dressed in sailor outfits. What I really needed was to test this machine out on someone to see if it could, in fact, turn them invisible. So I made the purchase, contacted the building supervisor, and requested someone carry the shipment here. From there, it was simply a matter of luring them underneath my invisibility laser. You tested this thing out on me? I did, and I apologize for being so devious, but... My dear boy, rejoice in two things. You are the first to survive the invisibility laser's functioning, and you are now the first human being to ever be invisible. At least, that I know of. You see, it was a simple matter of cell rearrangement and then applying a masking agent. It was so simple, yet so complex. But now we've done it. I couldn't believe what Dr. Whalen was telling me. He lied and put my life at risk. He continued rambling about how he'd just done this amazing thing. I was so mad that I wanted to hit him, but I couldn't catch him because he started prancing around like a nerd who had just learned that he didn't have to go to gym class for the day. Then it happened. While celebrating that he had turned me invisible, he tripped on the very box that I had brought to him. The same box that was nothing more than a ruse to get a sap like me into his lab so he could conduct his experiment. I admit, It was sort of satisfying to watch as this egghead went splat on the ground, but it was also disconcerting to watch him as he lay motionless. I rushed over to him and instantly I knew he was dead. Shock came over me. I moved away slowly from the now dead body and right into a big crate. I wasn't sure what was in the crate, but it definitely made a loud crash. I heard someone come running into the lab. It was a security guard and he rushed over to Dr. Whalen's body. Dr. Whalen? Dude, are you all right? You look like you really cracked your noggin, bro. I wanted to call out to the security guard and explain everything, but I wasn't sure what to say. Like, hey, fella, he's dead and I'm invisible. That's not easy for anyone to hear. I started to panic, and then I found myself running out of the building where McCutcheon Industries was housed. I remember running and running. I was scared and confused. I ran for a long time and didn't stop until a car almost hit me. I remember cursing at the driver and screaming at him to watch out, but then I realized the driver couldn't see me. I was invisible after all. I needed to get a hold of myself and think. 
I looked around and realized that in my manic state I'd ended up in downtown Eastridge. I saw a small coffee shop and decided to just go in and sit down for a moment. I slipped in quietly when a patron exited, and then I found a place that was away from the usual hipster doofuses that hung out there. It was nice and quiet, and I was just starting to collect my thoughts when suddenly a TV in the coffee shop began playing a news story. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Ian Eppert-Kuckerstein with Eastridge Public Access News, and this is a breaking story. I'm currently at McCutcheon Industries, where famed scientist Dr. Millard Whalen was killed tonight. Authorities are on the scene now, investigating. We were able to get word from the security guard who discovered Dr. Whalen's body. So, like, I went into Dr. Whalen's laboratory because I heard this loud noise, like something fell over. And I saw him on the ground, and I was all like, Dr. Whalen, dude, you okay? But he didn't say anything, because he was, like, dead. His head was cracked open like an egg. You know what I mean, man, right? And, like, his brains were all over. I think he was totally murdered, like, for sure. Police are seeking out one James Opec in connection with the possible murder. Opec is a custodian at McCutcheon Industries and is believed to have been working late assisting Dr. Whalen in his laboratory. I couldn't believe it. They thought I'd killed Dr. Whalen. I had to tell someone. I had to try to explain. But then the people in the coffee shop began talking about the murder. Oh man, I totally know that James Opec guy. He dated my sister. I knew he was a bad guy. This just makes sense. Yeah, I went to high school with him. He was also accused of murder when we were there. I'm tweeting about this right now. His name's already trending. People are connecting him to other murders. I was stunned. All of these people started talking about how they knew me and how I was capable of murder. I couldn't believe it. I was found guilty before I even had a chance to explain what happened. I shouted out, That's not what happened! Whoever said that needs to save their breath. That Opa guy is evil and a murderer. But that's not how it happened. It's too late. That dude is going to fry for what he did to that poor innocent scientist. Any sort of interference in science should result in severe punishment. You're passing judgment on something you know next to nothing about. You don't have all the facts. <laughs> Can it, Doubter Guy? That dude committed murder and he deserves what's coming to him. Who's saying this anyway? I knew I was in trouble. I had to find someone to explain things to. I ran out of the coffee shop and began making my way towards the police station. But as I got closer to the police station, I noticed a large crowd of citizens had gathered at the doors, and they were all shouting for my head. Let's get this guy. He's pure evil. Yeah, we're going to find him and give him his come up. I didn't even bother saying anything. It was no use trying to argue with the mob. They'd made up their minds, they passed their judgment and deemed me an evil person without knowing the facts. It was then and there that I decided that if they wanted me to be this evil, malicious, murderous person, then I would be. I'll be what they want me to be. I found a place where I would be safe for a few days while they began plotting out my reign of terror. I came up with a plan where I would start with these minor irritations and then gradually move up to more troublesome forms of horror. I began by throwing gum in random spots around town. I then started littering wherever I could. From there, I would go into restaurants and purposefully mess up orders and spill drinks onto people. I ruined birthday parties by replacing the frosting on the cake with toothpaste. I made the East Ridge public pool into my own personal latrine. 
I went into the Civic Center on bingo night and would falsely claim a winning card. I walked into bars and would shove people into one another and watched as the tempers flared and the fists flew. But all of this is child's play compared to what I have planned. The things I just told you, the malevolent acts I have committed may seem immature, juvenile. I'd throw it disgusting as well. I agree. Yeah, that was gross. Describe them as you'd like, but those were only the beginning. I'm ready now to move on to the grander forms of terror on larger scales. That is why I wanted to come here and speak with you. That is why I wanted to tell my story to you and your listeners. Now everyone will know why I am on this mission of horror. What about earlier, when you said your story ends on a note of hope? It does end on a note of hope. For me. In the sense that I will eventually get my revenge by causing all sorts of anarchy and terror. Well, that's enough to ruin one's day. Definitely. You bet. Well, I'd hope to do a Q&A and maybe even a word association exercise with you, but perhaps we'll skip all of that and move on to the housekeeping. Is is that okay, Jim? I'm nodding. Oh, I couldn't, um, see it. I know. In many ways, that's the point to all this, and rather apropos, because they'll never see me. Oh my, I just got a series of the Goose Pimples. I think we have a title for this episode of Volume Sophia, a rather clever one at that. They'll never see me. Rather brilliant, eh, Jim? Jim? I'm smiling. Right, the in, the invisible thing. Well, let's, um, you know. What's the matter? You seem nervous all of a sudden. Well, it was quite the story, and it, it seems as though you have a bit of an, uh, an aggressive side that sort of came out of nowhere. Um, anyway, listeners, follow us on the Facebook, the Twitter, and, and, um... Instagram. Oh, my, um, you're standing over my shoulder, aren't you? Oh, you didn't see me here. No, I suppose I didn't, Jim. Jim? Did he leave? Is, is he gone? No, I'm still here. I guess you didn't see me return to my chair. No, I, I did not. Anyway, loyal lunatics, thank you for joining us here on Volumes of Fear. We want to thank our special guest, Jim Opek, for joining us and telling us his story and giving us all a good warning. We also want to thank Crimson Knight Productions, our show's presenter, for everything they do to help with the production of Volumes of Fear. Again, follow us on Twitter and Instagram and like us on Facebook. Just for the record, I, I never called you a murderer. I, I don't even watch the news. Jim? Uh, m- Mr. Opek? Okay, I, I think he's gone now. Um, Dewey, let's wrap this up and get out of here. Hit the button and roll the end credits. Yeah, Dewey. Hit the button and roll the end credits. This episode of Volumes of Fear featured the acting talents of Nathan Pratt, Derek DeBoer, Andy Collins, Swirl, J.C. Rositas, Josh Berkey, Christopher Speedus, Ed Rosary, and David Thompson. It was produced by Andy Collins and J.C. Rositas and written by Andy Collins. Post-production was supervised by J.C. Rositas. Audio editing, mixing, and original music was by Swirl. Artwork was provided by Derek DeBoer. This episode was presented by Crimson Knight Productions. Visit them online at vivacomp.net. 
like Volumes of Fear on Facebook and Instagram, or you will suffer horrible things. Oh, hey there, Count Panic. I got a question for you. What's that, Bob? What do you know about Mothman, the Loch Ness Monster, ghosts, demons, and things that go bump in the night? Not much, Bob. Well, lucky for you, we host a podcast called Bob After Dark, where we talk about legends, lore, and the supernatural. Wow, where can I find this podcast? Wherever you find your great podcasts at. <laughs>